Hello everyone, welcome back to Pensive Politics with Mr. Watson. I am your host, Christian Watson. It is so great to be back with you guys after a week of, uh, ab- of abstinence, so to speak, from podcasting. What an interesting word. I'm so happy to be back with you guys. This coronavirus epidemic, this scare, this sort of specter of despair and of satin- sapping of energy, of sort of a lethargy has just taken a lot of uh, our time and our and, and, and our mindsets and just warp them into something that it's not supposed to be. Uh, so we'll be talking a lot about that in this podcast, we'll talking about a lot about how President Trump has been responding to this, how his administration has been responding to this. They've been oddly efficient in some ways, but overall they've been quite just incompetent and incoherent and just not out of sync with a lot of things that are happening in the material reality of our situation. And we'll also be talking about uh, how apparently the free market is working. But the narrative is that the free market is failing. Why is that? We'll get into all that and more. First, let me just thank you guys so much for being listeners. This is, I think, my sixth episode, something like that. And even though I'm so early, I just want to be so graceful and so thankful for your time and so graceful and thankful that you would be able to sit here and listen to me for about 30 minutes, talk about issues that are very important to the individual spiritual maturation of America into a society, into a time, into a polity that embodies the universal bedrock principles of natural God-given rights upon which this nation is built upon, upon which the very ground of this nation was was cultivated uh, with, with, with the intention in mind. I just want to thank you so much. And I want to thank you, even if you, just, even if you disagree with that premise, thank you for being open-minded enough, for listening to this, and for critically evaluating my words, and for, if you do, discussing this with me, whether it be over email, whether it be over social media, whether it be in Twitter, wherever, thank you. You are what will allow a more smarter politics, a more mature politics, a more responsive politics, and a more erudite politics to arise from the ashes of destruction and despair that we are seeing right now with the onset of COVID-19. So let's get to that right now. The United States, according to estimates, has officially, we have officially surpassed all the countries in the world with 100,000 COVID cases reported. We have, we officially have, according to estimates, we officially have the most COVID-19 cases, although also known as the coronavirus case, in the world, the United States. Hillary Clinton had a nice response to this, but not a nice response, really, a really smug and arrogant and disgusting response to this. She said... In response to, and she added Donald Trump to her tweet, he did say America first. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, other than just being plain deceptive and, and, and just misinterpreting the entire meaning of that slogan, because I disagree with that slogan myself, but other than just being plain deceptive, this lady had the gall to sit up in her home in Chappaqua, which is basically a very wealthy suburb. Of, in upstate New York, or near upstate New York, when her house is a forest around it, where she, where she goes, well, allegedly she goes walks all, all, all the time in it. She had the nerve to stay there behind her nice, pearly, ornate, ornate gates and deride a good majority of the country that may have indeed support Donald Trump and deride the president on the backs of the sickness and the, and, and the lethargy and the sort of parasitic panic that has ravaged the American mind recently, she had the nerve to utilize that for a political barb. This is one of the reasons why I am very happy that Hillary Clinton never ascended the presidency. 
not only is she someone who does not recognize the not recognize some very core um, aspects of human existence, which allow us to flourish, personal responsibility, individualism, and so on and so forth. She is also someone who doesn't appear to have any sort of empathy or sensitivity that is genuine sitting within her heart. Appears to. I am not making a judgment about about if she does at all. I don't know, but these statements that she makes appears to me to say that she just doesn't empathize at the level that she should with people who are being affected by things like this. I'm not saying Trump does either. I think Trump has some serious empathy issues too. But, actually, I'm not even making an excuse for him. I think they both have it. But right now, we're talking about Hillary Clinton. And for her to make this comment is just absolutely disgraceful. When Trump said America first, he meant America first in the sense that the general political establishment in the 1920s meant America first. They meant, yes, we want to have a situation where all political decisions are based upon the big tent, the polity that is America. And if they don't serve America, we're not getting involved in them. Now... Trump's America First differs a little bit because there's a nationalistic fervor to that. There's a, xenoph- there's a xenophobic little bit fervor to that. It's America First in Trump's view. If not only everything revolves around America, but everything also revolves around how a, ma- how a majority of my people perceive America. That means if you want to be in America, you, according to the Trumpists and according to nationalists, you have to speak English. That means if you want to be in America, you need to come here, quote unquote, legally so you can be officiated by, by state rule. That means if you want to be in America, you have to have you have to follow this sort of provincialist, arbitrary criteria that matriculates you into the tradition of the hundreds of millions and billions throughout history of people who have had the, uh, the dead and alive, who have had the privilege of calling themselves an American. And of course, we understand what this means, correct? We understand what the problem with this is, correct? We understand what the trouble with this is, correct? The trouble with this kind of thinking is is, is actually, I think it's, I think it's threefold, actually. Number one, the the label American, in the sense that Trump talks about it, in the sense that even those in the twenties talked about it, reflects a unwavering sense of legitimacy that is granted towards legality. Even when legality goes beyond its preordained purposes. How is it preordained? Where is it preordained? The Constitution. And even in the Constitution, there are things that need to be changed. Like We shouldn't have an income tax, in my opinion. But the first ten amendments, which best reflect the natural state of man or woman, the natural rights of, of the individual. That is what legality should be. But as many luminous political thinkers like Bastiat and Rosewater Lane and so on and so forth reflected in their writings stated, the United States has deviated greatly from the original purpose of legality. And nationalism is, a, is, a, is an effect of that. So legality now, my friends, is not what the government ought to do. It's what we want the government to do. You see where I'm going with this? That's what America first. So the term how American is being used right now simply reflects the legal recognition of your citizenship. American 
has been reduced purely to a legalistic term. A legalistic term maintained by a legal system that has far deviated from the purpose of securing liberty and individualism. And there are numerous examples to say that. That's a problem. Our idea of what an American is must be based upon principles and ideals, not principles and ideals that are warped and shifted and created by a corrupt legal system. By a system that lets Nathaniel Woods in Alabama die even for a crime he didn't commit. For a system that is so willing to seize property without due process. For a system that is so willing to spy on people without just cause. For a system... For a system that is so willing to brutalize people and then shield the brutalizers, i.e. themselves, from legal repercussions because they can. For a system, I can go on and on and on. This legal system that we have in America has some serious problems and has deviated from the vision of the securing of natural rights, my friends. And so when they say Americans, they mean whom we recognize as Americans. But I got, a, I, got, I got a secret for you. Anyone can be an American. Every single – the term is universal. If you have those common things, those things in common, the ideas of natural rights and freedom and mutual respect, you can be an American. You can believe those things manifest in different ways. There are some people who believe in natural rights that believe that poverty is – in a front to natural, natural rights. I think that's nonsense. But you can be an American and agree with that. You can be an American and agree with that. But as long as you understand that very simple ethical maxim, then Americanism is open to you. Which is why we don't need to have a formalized immigration system to give validation to people here who want to be here. No, they should be able to come whenever they want to. Americanism needs to be open for everyone like it was before we instituted laws in the, uh, in the 1920s, before we began restricting things, before the Chinese Exclusion Acts, before all these this sort of grievous illegal history of America constantly trying to restrict people who at the time they either didn't like or had suspicions about for no justified reason, for no reason other than their ethnicity or their culture. I'm sure you remember how the Irish were cheated. In, uh, in, in the 1920s. They were called all kinds of names when they went to places like New York and so on and so forth. Now the Irish St. Patrick's Day is a, is, is a grand celebration, a universal celebration around the country. And we don't think second about it. So we have to be very careful, my friends, to protect the term of Americanism from being m distorted and, and, and destroyed by the, by the throes of culture and the throes of opportunism. We have to be very careful with that, my friends. We have to. But yeah, so back to this coronavirus thing. The, the idea that Trump had was that he was going to take this sort of legal uh, favoritism into the term of American and use, use that to restrict borders, use that to do all kinds of things that will put America first. We just explain why that's bad and that's wrong. So you can hit him on that, Miss Clinton. You can absolutely eviscerate and chastise and, 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 and spear him and all kind of things for that. You can, you, you, you can do whatever you need to do when it, when it, when it attacks that, those concepts. But to do that in the center of a, 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 a crisis, which is more of a crisis because we think it's a crisis than, actually, than the actual crisis itself, is to exercise an irresponsibility, political and personal malice, and to, be, a, a, and to demonstrate a severe lack, lack of tact, empathy, and philosophical thought. 
things which Miss Clinton, Clinton, I genuinely believe, does lack in. She's a smart woman, but she does not like it all the time. So that's just a ridiculous comment. And also, the idea, the entire thing that spawned that comment, other than Hillary Clinton's general disdain for the president and his cohorts, was the headline, headline itself. The United States now has the most coronavirus cases. I think that headline is largely irresponsible. So look, I, I, am a, I am a journalism major myself. I study journalism. I want to be a commentator for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a commentator for the rest of my life. So I get, I get that we as journalists have to report the news. But we as journalists also need to include in the news the populations of the other countries that are affected. We should explain or have an expert on to explain how population density affects these things. We should explain or have experts on our articles or on our shows to explain the factors that may have made America have this sort of bigger number. We should explain those things. We should explain them clearly and without bias. The problem is a lot of the articles I've raised that say that have not really explained them. I didn't explain that most of the coronavirus cases in America are now centered in New York State. Although that's that's that, that that's prompt to change. Didn't explain that. Not at all. Not at all. It 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 operated the reporting of this coronavirus in this instance in particular, many other instances, operates in a sense of presumptuousness. That is contextualized by and through the political events that are happening. Because the president has been having continuous daily briefings about this coronavirus with the coronavirus task force and his efforts to, to stop it. And this news was produced in the context of that. It was not produced in the context of itself, which is typically what news needs to be produced in. If there's a murder, you don't want to talk about the murder in the context of, of sort of, I don't know, uh, murders in the city, unless that particular number or those particular string of murders would, I guess, increase the crime rate. But even then, it's questionable. You want to talk about the murder in the context of the murderer's motive, of the, uh, of, of the murderer's motive, of, uh, uh, of, the, of the murderer's actions, of, of, of his weapon choice, and of who he affected, and things like that. When you attach to a broad thing, you tend to dehumanize those who are humanly affected by, or inhumanly, I should say, infected by it. And you also tend to uh, lo- lose focus of what actually is at, is, is at hand here. But this is the national media. This is the international media. They are focused on a bro- they focus on things on a broad level. I understand that. But specialization, even the specialization of the spoken word, is key. We can specialize spoken word every day, my friends. We don't have to specialize in the sense of, I will report this news and you report that news, even though most news reporters are generally assigned to certain beats in general, whether it be in network news, whether it be in local news. But any reporter, regardless of what their specialization is or what their generality is, if they're an anchor or if they're a crime reporter or whatever, can still specialize their words and root them into the situations in which they happen. The problem is the American media is not doing that. The problem is the American media, and the media in general, including the BBC, all these media across the world, Russia Today, which you probably shouldn't watch in the first place because they're an arm of the Putin government. They don't have any sort of intellectual integrity to them. They are all forgetting context. They are all forgetting specific situations. So just to get back to the numbers, Italy has a lower population density than the United States, how lower overall population as well. Uh, so does England, so does France, so does other countries. 
And so it makes sense that the United States, with one of the higher populations of all of them, over 320 million people, would have the highest rate of cases. But the death rate in the United States is about one, and actually the global death rates are about one to three percent. The death rate in the United States, I would bet, is lower. I would, I would, I would assume is lower. Um, there, we are, we're having deaths, right? We have like thirty, we have like a hundred, hundred thousands of cases, about three hundred something deaths, I think. From what, from what I last, from what I last read, Italy had nine hundred and sixty-one deaths yesterday, in a day, and they've been having this sort of massive. Death, death problem throughout the days of the past few weeks. There are all sorts of reasons to be skeptical of the Italian healthcare system and to, and to focus on Italy for this. They are probably a case study as to what's going on. But the United States, anything less than a simple acknowledgement that that bit of news is important, to blow it out of proportion like that is to simply exercise and intellectual dishonesty, and to hurt your understanding and other understandings of these very particular issues. It's to sort of engage in the, the talk of small men or women, the, the products of small minds that can't see beyond there, can't see beyond either a generality or a, or, a, or a specific situation. And when you get into that situation, when you get into those kind of talks, when you get into those kind of, those sort of, Situations where we are mangled, where your ability to think is mangled by your thoughts, you don't really produce good results and you don't even really produce knowledge in the first place. You do yourself a disservice to the entire concept of knowledge, the entire concept of honest and free learning. So these new coronavirus numbers, if you're American, don't be alarmed about this. Yes, wash your hands. Yes, practice social distancing. Yes, do all those good things. But most importantly, recognize that there is a spiritual truth that is that encompasses this situation, and that is what you dream of in the astral realm, what you dream of in the sort of abstract realm, through your actions, can be rooted right here on Earth. And when it's rooted right here on Earth, my friends, what happens is it manifests in different ways. You can dream of fear in the abstract realm, and you can root fear right out in this Earth. But when fear manifests... It can manifest in the form of isolation, in the form of panic, in the form of depression, in the form of, 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 of starvation. It can manifest in the form of so many different things. And right now, it's manifesting in the form of rapid overconsumption, rapid overconsumerism, social isolation, and the death of so many small and mom and pop businesses. Thankfully, some are holding on by doing delivery, and thankfully there are people that are willing to go out there and support the local economies. That's phenomenal. And no amount of stimulus package. They just signed a $2 trillion stimulus package uh, a, few, a few days ago, and even I'll probably might be, I might even be getting a check. I don't know. But no stimulus package, no welfare system can interrupt nature. Humanity has, has been able to cup nature at its legs, to, to arrest its movements in so many areas of our lives. But when Nate, when the world, when the earth of whom we are renters, when the earth decides to do something, my friends, it's going to happen. The best thing we can do is brace ourselves. And we've, 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 we've done well. We, 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 we better handle natural disasters. We better hand, handle sicknesses. We better handle, we, 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 we better handle earth. We, we better handle all sorts of things. 
But we can't control these things. A humble man is he or she who will recognize the finite nature of their control over the natural space. And when, when, when people try to control what Rose Little Lane, the great libertarian visionary and prophet and mother, one of my favorite intellectual figures on this planet in the history of the world, the energy, when, the people, when they try to control the energy of mankind or humankind or womankind, whatever you want to call it, don't forget, about, the phrasing is irrelevant to what I'm trying to say. When they try to control the, the energy of humankind, so to speak, what happens is a, a sort of a, explosing, a pulsating explosion that results in revolutions, results in rebellions, results in anger. And we see this principle rooted in the coronavirus thing as well, with Kid Rock's bar and several other businesses saying, I will not shut down with the people in Florida and so on, staying in the beaches with, with regards to the COVID thing. You see so many of them saying, you will not suppress my energy. You can go take me to court. You can find me. You can arrest me. I don't care. My energy, my free exercise of human energy is going to remain present and manifested as an, an a, 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 as an wholly embodied force in this world. And I'm going to act it loud. And guess what? The only way you can get someone to reject that sort of innate freedom is by convincing them, as Machiavelli said in The Prince, that they're not free. But even then, Machiavelli went on to say, if they remember their ancient liberty, this is his exact words, you, you can't conquer them. So freedom is both a blessing and more of a blessing and a curse in some situations. But it's a beautiful thing nonetheless. And so I'm very happy that people are using their freedoms to express their opinions about this. I do want you to use your freedoms to be safe. I do want you to use your freedoms to Make sure that you're not endangering the lives of others. I do want you to practice the non-aggression principle in the best level you can by knowing that if you're sick or you have symptoms or you're exuding of this thing, that you stay home. You should use your freedom responsibly, but also do not allow your freedoms to be taken away, ripped away in this very raucous time of public panic and, this, and, and, and sort of moral and spiritual lethargy and pessimism. Don't let it take you away. Don't let it do it. What we're not focusing on when we say America has the highest death rates, no, no, not the highest death rates, because we definitely don't. America has the highest coronavirus rates of coronavirus cases. We're not focusing on the fact that Panera Bread and, and Mickland Global quite literally just partnered to provide food for hundreds of thousands of millions of school children in rural America and poor America that aren't able to get food because of the school public school closings. Yeah, but this is a, a, an example of charity, of, of philanthropy, of the, of the free market rising up and doing its job. We're not focusing on the fact that Hong Kong, a, a bunch of uh, a neuro, a neuro, uh, an astrophysicist in New York, levied her connections with Hong Kong democracy protesters who lifted their beautiful voices and, and, and raised expectations for all of us who want to fight for freedom around this world and raise expectations for their government who tried to impose a very draconian, disgusting, sniveling, clandestine bill that would allow the Chinese to extradite uh, Hong Kong people out off their soil. Who, who, the Hong Kong protesters who showed spiritual fullness and purity in, the, in those moments of protest just a year ago used their connections to give this astrophysicist in New York 
hundreds of thousands of face masks. They are literally combating this virus vis-a-vis the infrastructure of the free market. And so they sent these masks to a, a, a warehouse in New, New Jersey uh, vis-a-vis a South American contractor. And this astrophysicist is now in New York handling out, handing out these masks to hospitals that just desperately need them. Whereas this is working. President Trump is quite literally invoking the Defense Protection Act and forcing companies against their will and probably against their bottom lines to produce ventilators and respirators. Some may say, well, Christian, why, we can't let these, th- we need, people need ventilators and respirators. The hospital in New York, I just saw this today in the, uh, in the Washington Post, is quite literally using a ventilator or a respirator that was meant for one, pe- for one person, for two people. I get that. I understand that. But the science of human interaction, the science of, 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 of human exchange still remains established in a time where rationality and intellectualism and science and philosophy seem not to have much of an impact at all on the collective consciousness of Americans. The science of economics still tells me that I cannot demand a business produce something and expect that business to A, produce it in the first place, or B, continue to produce it in the first place, or second place, or third place, and C, expect those quality, expect those products to be high quality. And just to show you that the government does not really have, and the central planner in general, does not really have a good idea or a good method of how to produce something as best as the producer does, President Trump was asked in a press conference not too long ago, I think yesterday or the day before, or today, how exactly, how many ventilators respirators he needed. And he said, well, I don't know, 100,000 maybe, maybe less than that, maybe more than that. He's being quite tender about a situation that is, that is very developing and is growing every single day. And you're having requests from hospitals and from all kinds of medical institutions begging for these ventilators and respirators because people are literally not being able to you know, hoist their body's functions to success by not having them. So the president, the central planner, the, who is the, who's the president right now, by the invocation of this uh, authoritarian defense act, is quite literally not recognizing, not only is he ignoring the science of the free market and the science of economics in general, but he also is not recognizing the sort of, the sort of under, silver lining to this, which is the fact that he has no clue what he's doing. He's prideful. Of course, he wouldn't recognize that, but he has no clue what he's doing. And the fact that he has no clue what he's doing underlies a very, 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 very key uh, aspect to many central planners' thinking. They think, since they have the power of force, they know best than people who actually produce ventilators and respirators. But they don't, because they're not producing it. They're not on the team producing it. They don't have the expertise or the specialization to produce it. If they did, the private industry would not need to do anything. Government products would be way high caliber and way, and way more efficient and way more high quality as well. But, but, but they typically aren't because of the principle. Some may think I'm making consequential arguments here. I'm not. I am saying the principle manifests in different ways. So the market is working, though, people. The market is doing a, a, a very luminous job at, at, at ensuring that the, the, dispensation, uh, the dispensation of much-needed supplies is happening. They're doing it's going doing a great job. In some cases, it is it is, it is falling a little bit short because we didn't expect, of course, this coronavirus to happen. But if there had been expectations months ahead of time, you better believe there would have been more of a stock of anything. There would have been more of a stock of respirators and ventilators and toilet paper too. I I, I promise you, 
Charney, all those toilet paper companies would have made much more because they're making a killing right now. I promise you. I bet even the Pete's companies would have given cars or rented cars for their police uh, uh, pizza workers to take out for delivery if they had knew this was coming. But the best thing about the market and human interaction in general is that it is so dynamic and so chaotic and so contingent on so many different intervariated factors that you never know what's going to happen, which is also why the central planner will never succeed and why the president with his invocation of the draconian, authoritarian, spiritually unwise, philosophically unwise, resource-wise unwise, Defense Protection Act is going to lose what he labeled as a war against an invisible enemy. He, he's not going to win it on this front. On this front, the market cannot, cannot, cannot even keep up against this thing. It was blindsided. And he is not magic. The government is not magic. All the government is is, a, is, a, is the embodiment of force that is being applied to these producers, to these firms, forcing them, quote-unquote, forcing them to produce more. What happens when they go out of business? What happens when they can't employ anyone anymore? The economic crisis stoked by this coronavirus gets bigger, it gets worse, it gets bad, and you, Mr. President, your administration, is on the hook. You decide to go into spiritually and philosophically unwise actions, force people to do things they don't want to do, that they can't do. It's terrible. It's terrible. But yet we're told that this is the kind of thinking and leadership we need to get us through this coronavirus. No, we all need to do what Americans have been doing for the great part of this com- com- this, this, this epidemic, this pandemic. We need to wash our hands. We need, we need to just maintain some distance, I suppose. We need to just be more healthy in our own lives, exercise more, and so on and so forth. We don't need force or compulsion to beat something that is not responding to force or compulsion. Especially when the objects of that force and that compulsion are not available for us anyway. Respirators and ventilators are not available right now, and forcing us and forcing producers to produce them will only result in a, in a haphazardly created, low quality, perhaps even dangerous product does not do as best as the higher quality product would do from being, from being created. That's what happens. And so you are endangering more lives by making them think with a low-quality respirator ventilator, making them think of one that does not produce with, the much, with as much grit, as much incentive as the one that is produced with, making them believe that's going to help them, when in all reality, it's not helping them that, that, that much. People, we have to focus here. We cannot let panic overthrow our faculties, my friends. One last thing before we go. Uh, a few people have been focusing on this this thing in many different ways. Trish Reagan, a, a anchor, former anchor at Fox Business, she got fired recently after well, fired. She was let off by Fox News recently after she stated, uh, and I quote, "The coronavirus was an attempt to impeach Trump." I'll just leave you guys with this message, and then then I'll go and think about this some more. <laughs> Never let your ideological presuppositions blind you from the sure reality of what's happening. No matter how much you love the president or hate the president, please, please pay attention. Know that there is a reality that actually exists outside of your mind, outside of your conceptions. Right? This sort of mind-by dichotomy posed by Descartes, you think therefore you are? No. You think therefore you think you are. But you are being. You're being, you are existing, therefore you are. 
and you are existing in a world that exists outside of your control. You are existing in a world that exists outside of the realm of your mind. When you recognize that, you achieve great power over a lot of circumstances in life. You achieve great power because you achieve wisdom when you recognize that. And wisdom is un un undoubtedly power. So please don't, please don't think that a virus that, frankly, had nothing to do with President Trump is trying to impeach him. Please don't think that. I, I, I don't... I think the virus would be insulted by that. It already gets a bad rap for killing people. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure if the virus would appreciate uh, being called a colluder now, a colluder, a, a political colluder. I don't know about that. It might make it angrier. I don't know. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Prison Politics, Mr. Watson. I am your host, Mr. Watson. I hope you guys have a great day. Until next time, goodbye, America.